2: Plexico Burris and those guys when Pierce 07, was on the When team. Pierce yeah. was in the midst of his five-year run there. Yep. Okay, so yeah, he would. Have, that, that's the obvious connection okay. there. Okay. So
3: here is the hot Steelers offensive coordinator search rumor. And I got this, and this is not a report. This is not someone that said this is a fact. This is just a rumor. Package deal on the offensive coordinator they hire. You get two guys for one. Arthur Smith right now isn't taking interviews yet. He's taking a brief sabbatical. It's not like the Cliff Kingsbury, I'm going to go to Thailand on a one-way ticket. He's just taking some time. Then he's going to get interviewed. Diana Rossini said yesterday more than seven teams want to talk to Arthur Smith about being an offensive coordinator. Donnie, how many teams have offensive coordinator openings?
2: Eight. Thanks, Diana. Yeah. Couldn't you just say every team is interested in him? Why? Why does she have to say more than seven? I don't know, but Donnie and I sniffed that out right
3: away. So the Steelers have to be one of the teams. Everything I've heard makes me think that that is true. The guy's got Smith has connections to Dick LeBeau and guys like that. Here's another thing: Rooney
2: would know his best time as offensive coordinator. What kind of offense did the Titans run? They ran
3: it with Derrick Henry, and then they ran
2: play action with Ryan Tannehill. Yeah,
3: so you're right. Another thing that is almost like a cultural fit here in Pittsburgh. Here's the thing, because Donnie and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. Donnie said, Arthur Smith doesn't really knock me off my feet. The guy went, what was his record in Atlanta every year?
2: 7-10, and ten, and they had the eighth overall pick all three years. And he had, and Arthur Smith, when they took B. John Robinson, had like some sort of religious opposition to actually giving him the football. Yeah, not in, great. Inexplicably would not give the football to his best player. Absolutely nor have him not on great. The field.
3: Here's the package deal, though. Munchak wants back in. He's he's ready to come back to coaching. You've got to be all over this one, hot and bothered like no one's business. So here's the rumor. Those two guys worked with each other in Nashville. There's mutual respect. Smith is the offensive coordinator. Munchak back as offensive line coach. Does that tip the scales back to Smith in a debate about offensive coordinator hires? Because we've got serious questions about the offensive line. You've got Broderick Jones, who you want to turn into a star.
2: Who needs to go back to his original We've position. seen
3: Munchak work his magic with Al Villanueva. Al Villanueva. Made him into a legitimate NFL left tackle. After Could do the same with? do Washington. I, I didn't even think about that, but good point.
2: Jeff Hathorne wrote it for 93.7 the fan.com Said their right tackle is on their roster already. They just don't know it. Look at guys like Matt Filer.
3: Turned him into an NFL offensive lineman. Mm -hmm. Look at the money he got dudes like Calvin Beecham and Chris Hubbard from other teams who were down the line. He's one of the
2: best. You can just summarize it. Simply the best,
3: better than all the rest, Tina Turner said, and she was talking about Mike Munchak that day.
2: I thought it was Bill Callahan or Dante Scarnecchio. because those are the holy trinity of O-line coaches that always got mentioned as the best. Callahan's up there. We know what he's done with the Browns on their 18th tackle. Donnie, before you answer, I'm very much yes to one part of this. Hell no to the other. I just the idea of Arthur Smith coming in with his reputation, because people in Tennessee said when he when he was running the show there, yeah, they gave the ball to Henry a lot, but then they also like ignored their best receiving weapons half the time, it felt like. They just did not get the sense that Arthur Smith understood I don't think the, they had good receiving weapons. These are weapons my best there. players. Well, he understood. This that is what Henry I should...
3: was his best player. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think I could go down there and say we're gonna call a lot of plays for for this guy, but that like he got the best out of Ryan Tannehill, Chris. Okay. There's no doubt Did about that. Did he get that. the best out of Ritter? I mean,
3: do you think anybody can get the best well, out of Ritter? Well, here's
2: the point about Ryan Tannehill. You can make an argument that Ryan Tannehill was a pretty good player that Adam Gase ruined. Yeah. Because the guy was drafted top, what, 10, 10th overall, maybe? He was a top 10 pick, yeah. Right. He was rehabili- he was rehabilitated by Smith. But I think there was obviously big natural talent in there to actually mine. But put his resume up against Cliff Kingsbury's, for example. What's more impressive? Kingsbury is not an overwhelming candidate by any stretch of the imagination. I'll I'll re-rank my current top group here right now. Ready? Still Zach Robinson. Even with the Munchak package deal, then I guess it's Arthur Smith mainly because of Munchak, not because I particularly care for Arthur Smith, and then it's Kingsbury. That's my, that's my current top three. Arthur Smith skyrockets to number one for me if I'm
3: getting Munchak in that's the deal. That's because you're a Munchak honk. I'm fine with that. Guilty as charged. Wear your
2: big I heart Munchak shirt. Donnie? I don't know if I put Arthur Smith at number one because of that, but he he definitely moves up if that's actually part of the deal, that Mike Munchak is back in town. Because then I think the offensive line is back in business. I mean, all, all due respect to Pat Meyer, he ain't Mike Munchak. Not even close.
3: I don't even think the guy had a particularly good year this season.
2: I think, I think Broderick Jones gave them a lift, but I think that was a lot due to Broderick Jones just being a very talented Dan player. Mo- Dan Moore didn't get better. No. Isaac Say- Say- Sayamalu played well once he got going. Sayamalu, you know, I
3: don't know how much better even Munchak is going to make Sayamalu. He kind of is what he is. He's a long-tenured veteran player who's very good at his job and... Well the, here here's where here's where Munchak would give you You're a probably major gonna need advantage. a new center. Well, here, You're gonna bring in a new right tackle. And, so you've got and pieces where, of clay that need molded.
2: Pony, here's where that comes in. In Jeff's piece, which I just found very good, it was about, you know, moving uh Darnell Washington to right tackle, bulk him up. I think Mason Cole kept saying he's a cheeseburger a day away from being a tackle. So The suggestion was kick Dan Moore inside to play right guard, move James Daniels over to play center, where we thought from the Bears people that was his best position. Moore was actually thought of as a guy that might be better suited to be a guard anyway. Mm -hmm. Jones goes to left tackle. Sayomal is your left guard. James Daniels is your center. Dan Moore is your right guard. Then maybe, you know, whether it's Washington or you actually draft one, you got a lot of moving parts. What do you need when you have a lot of moving parts, guys playing positions they haven't maybe played in the NFL in a couple of years but are capable of playing? Great coaching. So if you're going to do something like that and address other areas of your team,
1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
3: Mike Florio going to join us in 15 minutes talking about the Steelers offensive coordinator search 412 928 Trevor is on the fan. Hello Trevor. How you doing? Hey, man.
0: Two things. First, Chris, condolences to your toilet. Glad you're Thank feeling you, better, though. Thank you, Trevor. And second point, you're talking about two people. Why don't you make a triple threat, bring in Munchak, him, and bring in Ryan Tannehill, because we know Pickett and Mason ain't the answer.
3: So we want to try to recreate the
2: 2019 Titans? Trevor, I actually thought you were going in a totally different direction there, and I thought you were going to say, with Sullivan possibly on the way out, bring in a guy who knows quarterbacking and respected Munchak a ton. Is Tannehill better Big than both ben of those guys? Big Ben Roethlisberger is as quarterback Is coach. Tannehill better than both of those guys? <laughs> uh-huh. What year was Tannehill well, drafted? Body? Tannehill's
3: 36 years old. No,
2: man. I don't think. I actually don't think he's better than what Mason showed in those three games.
3: We got us in the playoffs. Are you talking about Mason or are you talking about Ryan Tannehill? <laughs> Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill went three and five this year with four touchdowns to seven picks. I'm with Malsey. I'd rank him actually third among those three quarterbacks at this point in his Ryan career. Ryan
2: Tannehill was pretty low key, uh, athletic, very athletic. Really, even five years ago.
3: Well, he played wide receiver at AM. and
2: right. He was a great athlete. He was a he,
3: part of sneaky good athlete,
2: deceptively fast. Yes, he's a big dude who could run, and that was part of their offense in 2019 with the Titans. He'd absolutely tuck it and run, and was good at it and he was burly enough to actually withstand the punishment. I think we have discovered one thing about Kenny Pickett uh, for sure, besides maybe some of the pocket presence stuff, he is just not built to take a ton of hits in the NFL.
3: Here is Al on the offensive coordinator search at 412-928-9370. Hello, Al.
4: Hey, guys. Enjoying the show?
3: Thank you.
2: Thank you, Al.
3: Listening to um,
4: Tomlin talk about the coordinator search. Yeah. Um, how much of him going outside the organization do you believe was his idea, or how much of you do, do you think that was mandated from above? Um, and he just has to toe the company line on that now.
2: I'll answer it first, Al. I would. What I want to believe is that he had some sort of epiphany, like he just got hit over the head so many times watching his offense fail that he knew he needed to do something different. The cynic in me says the guy didn't even want to fire Matt Canada, it sounds like. Art did that himself, and Mike just had to go tell Canada. So it makes me think that Omar Khan, Andy Weidel, and Art Rooney are largely driving that part of this. So there's my my dual answer there.
4: And that was kind of the impression i get um because he seems to be very big on promoting from within and we've just seen all that's produced over the last you know 10 years plus it's just been mediocre how do you, you feel know, about
3: their search so far the names that have gotten thrown out there yeah i'll be honest there's a couple names that pop up that sound interesting to me okay. um
4: i'm not that familiar with it i do know what our offensive line looked like under mike Munchek. um that I believe would be fantastic, um, and if that takes getting a different look um, for somebody that maybe not the the future rising star, but very adequate uh, with the guy that he might you come with as you talk about packaging him up, I would be all for that. All for it, says Al.
2: So Titans, uh, two years as OC for Arthur Smith, eighth in points, twelfth in points. Falcons as the head coach was he? He was the primary play caller though, right? I think so. Yeah, twenty eighth, twentieth, twenty third. Um, I mean, Not I think good. the, no, the Munchak thing is, it's what's so appealing to people. Like, I think, like you said, culturally with this organization, even though I think a lot of fans understand that the passing game is what sells and, and what wins games a lot. I like, I think people here would love the idea that if you bring in Munchak and you've got Harris and Warren, they feel like they would have a Cleveland Browns type rushing attack.
3: I think it's important who Munchak works with. I think that one of the reasons why he wanted to get out of here. Is that he was kind of not the biggest fan of Todd Haley. And those personalities did not really gel all that well. Once again, that's on Coach Todd. I think that Mike wanted... I think he was a little bit burnt out. That was a reason why. He wanted to go spend time with his family. The Denver thing opened up. He took a lateral job. And they gave him permission to do
2: that because... He's Mike Munchak. He's Mike Munchak. He's a a Hall of Famer. And he's... Exactly. We owed you, not the other way around. But now there's... Now Todd Haley's long gone, and now, now families get boring after now th- now a while. Now there's uh, murmurs, whispers that he's getting back in. And these aren't just these are whispers you trust. These aren't Mulzy sources. Well, I'm not. I'm look,
3: just to be clear, I'm not saying that this is. I'm not reporting that Arthur Smith has sat down with the Steelers
2: and said, you're "Hey, you're just if you saying hire that the me, rumors out there that a, they're a package deal in general for anyone who might hire them." Well,
3: because Smith has a lot of respect for, for uh, our. It's it's a. It cuts both ways.
2: It's mutual, mutual Admiration Society. Mutual
3: Admiration Society, exactly.
2: Terrell Austin, I know the reports are he's coming back, but you know what? How about this? How about a quadruple package deal? Vrabel takes a year as the defensive coordinator. <laughs> yeah. You know, Terrell Austin thanks. And then Big Ben comes back as quarterbacks coach if Sullivan leaves, because we know Ben respects all. And they those signed guys. Derrick Henry in free agency, and it's just Derek Henry, Najee Harris, and can Jalen we Warren. can we take this any? Can we make this like a five prong attack? Is Nate Washington still doing anything in the league? Former Tennessee Titan and Steeler, Eddie George, coaches the running backs here. Here comes Steel, new Steelers uh, team ambassador Earl Campbell. Frank Wycheck will do the tight ends. I have a bad feeling you just stepped in one there, Pony. What? I think Frank Wycheck died. He, he did. Oh, no. Why did you not get in my ear and tell me not to say that? Well, because you said it so quick. What was he I supposed to do? You, I read thought, your mind? I thought you, with your knowledge, would have remained. It wasn't that it long happened, ago. It just happened, man.
3: Like it, it was like two or three months ago. I don't read NFL obituary pages.
2: You follow sports for a living. It the guy, happened the in guy December. Is, the guy
3: is part of one of the most famous plays in league history. You guys are dark, man. You're keeping up on the NFL players who die. Oh, my God, turning this on us? Yeah, I am. Breaking NFL news, Vic Fangio out in Miami. Uh, In today's NFL, as far as defensive coordinators go, he's considered, like, the dean of DCs, the godfather of defensive coordinators, like uh, Dick LeBeau type, not as good, but... Widely respected,
2: I think he's seen as like the Andy Reid of defense. Like and Andy Andy Reid comes up with the crazy schemes. Vic Fangio comes up with the way to stop them. So see you later for him. God, I would no disrespect intended to Tara Lost here. Truly, I would hire Vic Fangio in a second. I think, and then I would say you can actually run the defense. If Snoop Dogg said even this, that Mike Tomlin needs to take a step back and be CEO, perfect. Give Fangio the job. We had that guy here. His name was Brian Flores, and Mike. I aware. Let him call the plays.
3: All right, Mike Florio back with us, brought to you by J.P. Roofing, Pro Football Talk. Mike, both Peter King and Ed Bouchette said on our airwaves yesterday, the Steelers could sign Russell Wilson. Are they onto something? Well, I think that was one of the quarterbacks
0: whose name became fairly obvious based on what's happening in Denver. If the Broncos are going to move on from him, and in the immediate aftermath of that kerfuffle from last month when Wilson was benched for the final two weeks of the season, then all that stuff came out. They release him. They owe him $39 million Mm -hmm. for 2024, offset by whatever he earns elsewhere. And I got the distinct impression while I was poking around on that at the time that he would just take a one year deal for the league minimum from a new team, force the Broncos to pay him the rest. That becomes dollar for dollar a very attractive situation. Now, that said, Is he going to want to go somewhere and compete with other guys? Or is he going to want to be handed the starting job on the way through the door? There's a lot of form over substance when it comes with Russell Wilson. That's just the way it's always been. I don't think he's going to want to have to go somewhere and compete to be the starter. You got to be willing to make him the starter, but you look at the teams out there that need quarterbacks and there are plenty of them. There aren't enough bad quarterbacks to go around currently in the NFL. Russell Wilson will be an option for a variety of teams that are looking for a quarterback. And when you, Consider dollar-for-dollar value when you look at what it's going to cost to get someone else versus $1.2 million, if he really will do that. And really, everything up to $39 million, he's working for free. He's getting $39 million total. Why not stick the Broncos for the vast majority of the bill and make it easier for your new team to put a team around Russell Wilson if he's really willing to do $1.2 million, the veteran minimum, for a guy with his years of
2: experience? I think it becomes a great option, dollar-for-dollar value. Forget about dollar-for-dollar for a a second and take that very relevant point ultimately out of it, Mike. Russell Wilson is just, in a vacuum, a top-blank quarterback in the NFL at this point in his career, in your mind. Top 20. Top 20. Here's the issue in Denver, and this is what I think prompted Sean
0: Payton to eventually make a change. There's a lot of stuff that happens before the snap that is critically important to the success of the play. Number one, getting the play in quickly. There's an obligation on the coach's part to get the play in. The quarterback has to process it and repeat it to his players. Then you get up to the line of scrimmage and you survey the defense. What do you see? What does it cause you to do? What kind of checks and adjustments do you make? And this is a point Chris Sims made during the season. If you watch the Broncos, Russell Wilson isn't one of those guys that's constantly pointing and redirecting and 52 is the mic and all that stuff. Now, Russell Wilson's best skill is to get the ball in his hands and make magic, unscripted. But for a lot of these coaches, it's not about what you can do unscripted. It's what you do by way of running the offense because unscripted can lead to some great moments. It also can get you in second and 23 because you ran around, you thought you were going to make something happen, and you get sacked for a 13-yard loss. So it can throw everything off for the offense if you aren't running the plays the way they're intended to be run. And if you're not making the pre-snap determinations and adjustments and checks, and we're going to go with the other play instead of this play because of the look that we see, that's just not something that Russell Wilson has in the arsenal. He's a great quarterback and he's got great instincts when the ball is snapped and he can see things and do things that other quarterbacks can't, but it's the meat and potatoes stuff that I believe became an issue for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton where there wasn't enough going on before the snap to, to have urgency, to see the defense, to make adjustments, and get everything in the right spot so as soon as he gets the ball in his hands, the play that's called can be run the way that the coach intended it.
3: Mike, what are you hearing on the Steelers offensive coordinator search?
0: Not anything at this point. I know that Peter suggested when he was on the other day, Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know how that works with the Steelers, you know, it fundamentally comes down to, remember before the season, we talked about... Well, just before you get to
3: that Steelers, point, why do you think... You said, I don't know how that would work with the Steelers. What's the hang-up there, in your opinion? Well, that's the point I'm getting to. Okay. We talked before the season about how the
0: Steelers seem to be intent to play great defense, vanilla offense, and just make it work. Run the ball, make it work. Now, we got a glimpse toward the end of the season what happens when you have a quarterback in there who's going to throw it all over the place. But I just think philosophically, the Steelers have to ask themselves... What kind of offense do we want to run? Do we want to run a 21st century offense or a 20th century offense? I think that's the the, the question. Are you going to take full advantage of these great receivers you have? Are you going to throw the ball all over the place? Are you going to lean on the run and on the defense and you know try to try to just win games in that that Steeler way where something weird happens after they play Renegade. The next thing you know, the Steelers have more points than the other team. So I. I it's, it's a philosophical organizational judgment as to what kind of offense we want to run. And at the end of the day, you know, what offense you run, you're run the offense that your players allow you to run. If you have great pass catchers and a guy who can throw the ball, you throw the ball. If you have great run blockers and great running backs, you run the ball, you play to your strengths. And I think that's the fundamental source of so much of the frustration is here for the Pittsburgh offense. They had the weapons on the outside And they didn't use them the way that they could until we got to the end of the season and they unleashed Mason Rudolph. And maybe it's a Kenny Pickett thing. I don't know. But I think that's the real issue. What do we have? How do we use it? And how do we run our offense to get the most out of it?
2: Man, Mike, I think I remember somebody in the NFL world saying something to the effect of if you have red paint, paint your barn red or something like that, which is just what you said right there. His name might have well, even been Chuck Mike Null, right?
0: That's Chuck Noll. No, that's Don Shula. Don Shula said that. Uh, um, uh, the former GM. Why am I blanking on his name? Kevin, uh, help
3: me Colbert. out here. Colbert. Colbert. Outside Kevin, of the line. Kevin Colbert. That was Kevin, Kevin Colbert. Colbert's what thing. the hell? I'm
0: thinking Kevin Gilbride. Right sport, wrong position. Kevin Colbert told me that story before. He learned that from Don Don Shula. If you got red paint, paint the barn red. It
2: sounds like Mike Tomlin was study- was taking notes too. Um, when when we take stock of this continued search, how important do you think it is for the Steelers to to get this done in an expeditious manner? Like if it not drags on, Mike, but if it, it goes into you know late next week or early the week after that, is that an issue for them or is that just more clerical at this point?
0: You don't want to rush it, but hey, ideally, when you go to the Senior Bowl – you want to have a pretty good sense of who your coordinator is going to be. So you can be scouting the kinds of players that you believe will be necessary to make it work with the offense that your coordinator wants to run. You know, that's the other thing. One, one thing you do is if you have red paint, go paint the barn red. Well, if you want to paint the barn blue, you got to go get blue paint. And if they're going to be looking for blue paint, they need to know that when they go to the senior bowl. So the sooner the better because – Right away, the process starts of figuring out which players are going to be on the team in 2024 and which players are going to add to the teams they ha- to the team they have, which players are going to subtract, et cetera, et cetera.
3: Mike, we keep getting asked about Clint Kubiak. Is he allowed to talk or does he have to wait until the 49ers season is over?
0: Uh, for offensive coordinator, and yep. I, I don't think they let anything happen with coordinators until the season's over. And even then, there's rules that apply and they change all the time and it's so hard to keep track of them. But, you know, it it used to be you would routinely hear, and this is one of the reasons why Mike Tomlin's career took a while to get going, when he was under contract as defensive back coach with the Buccaneers 20 years ago, they would refuse to let him interview to be a defensive coordinator. I think those of and again, I can't keep up with the damn things. I need a refresher on it. But, you know, you see a lot of movement now where position coaches become coordinators. So apparently that rule changed at some point, and I either never knew or I've forgotten. But it's all, It's now at the top of my list to go figure out how that works because I remember a time not that long ago when, when potential coordinators were constantly blocked because they were still under contract.
3: Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, PFT Live. Check that out on Peacock. Thanks, Mike. We appreciate it, man. Thanks, guys.
2: Baseball is back.